Hey everybody, welcome to the Kansas City Business Cast. This is your host, Michael Reisinger. Hey, while you're listening here on whatever platform you're on, remember that your subscriptions and your ratings are what help our guests get their message out. If you have not yet given us a rating on Spotify, please do so. If you own an iPhone, that means you've got an Apple ID. You can leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And then of course, YouTube, we are going to be adding more video later on. So thank you so much for that. Appreciate that. Now that that's out of the way, I've got a very special guest here today. His name is Josh Glower. He is an Emmy Award nominated documentary producer and director based here in Kansas City. He's written and produced documentaries and television series for Hulu, MSNBC, Peacock, PBS, History Channel, MTV, Oxygen, HDTV, uh, and docu-series including Duck Dynasty, Lockup, and the Emmy-winning series Inside Pediatrics. He is uh, currently working on a documentary called Chasing Goals, which if you know me, I've already shared this in text, on LinkedIn, on Instagram. I am a huge fan of what Josh is doing with this. So with all that aside, Josh Glower, welcome to KCBC, man. Thanks, man. It's good to be here. I'm so glad to have you. Um, so I tell everybody, you know, how how I met my guests. And it started with you. I saw your post on LinkedIn and you shared the trailer for Chasing Goals. And I was gathered around with my family. I can't remember when it happened, if it was it was around Thanksgiving or whenever you put that post out there and we watched it. And my wife heard it from the other room and came running out and I had to like play it twice. And we definitely had some people who were teary eyed around the TV watching it. I casted it to my TV and they were like, oh my gosh, that's shot here in Kansas City. And I was like, yeah, I just found out about it. And uh, you and I are both connected with Justin Rickleffs from the Guild Collective. Justin, what's up? We'll tag him. Um, and so we recently got to meet in person. Um, I've, after I've gotten to hear your story, I was like, you know, what would it be like if we got you on the show, talk to Kansas City about your experience working in uh, the film industry and what you're doing now, kind of your origin and conversion stories. So that's how we met. Here we are. Let's see what happens. Yeah, let's see. So I guess for you, because there's a lot of information out there, and if uh, if anybody wants to search what you've been up to or find podcasts that you've been on, they can learn about those things. Um, what got you into uh, you know, doing screen screenplay writing, directing, uh, you know, what was your journey like to get into that? And, and how'd you find yourself in, in Los Angeles doing it as well? Yeah. So I've always written, I've written, um, my mom has stories, uh, that I would make up about our stuffed Ewoks, you know, Mookie and Gwig from, I don't know if this is, this is like first grade, second grade. And, um, you know, I've just always done it. I remember, uh, in, in fourth grade doing creative writing and not being a super cool kid, but you would read your stories out loud and I would write the stories about the other kids in the class. And that got like so much attention. So it was like, Oh, this is my thing. Like I can do this and people like respond to it. And, um, so I did that for, for a long time until she told me I was writing like war stories and people were dying in our classroom. And, uh, she put that, you know, she, she shut down my, my 15 minutes in fourth grade, but you were writing down like your classmates. Yeah. 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 So like they were, they were all my platoon buddies and that kind of stuff, you know? Wow. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty random. This is going away. This is, this is the real origin story going way back. Right. Yeah. But, um, I've always written, I've, you know, I did journalism all through high school and, uh, creative writing, I have a degree in creative writing. Um, and it's just always been, you know, I remember as a kid leaving, leaving movies and feeling like you're still part of that story. Right. 
um, seeing kids like pretend sword fighting or uh, pretending like they're soldiers or whatever, and just seeing like how films affect people and how story can affect people and the visuals and the music and sort of the composition of all of those things together um, has always been a big deal to me. You know, uh, another uh, going way back the film glory, which was about the, uh, an African-American regiment in the civil war um, with Matthew Broderick. I'm old. Uh, uh, I remember leaving that film and just being so angry at like that situation and, and those kinds of things. And it just always kind of stuck with me that like, I felt that way because of a film. Yes. Cause of a, you know, shitty part of history, but also because of this film. Right. Um, so that kind of, that's always kind of stuck with me. I've always written, um, and you know, in, in college I, I wanted to, to write movies. So, you know, there's, there's no real way, there's no path to do that. You know, it's, it's how do you figure out how you're going to write movies? So I took every film course I could at Mizzou, which was about three. Right. Um, and they were all theory. It was all theoretical, um, no real, no real writing whatsoever. So I just moved to Los Angeles. Um, I figured, you know, my wife was out there earlier. She graduated in three years. Uh, she's a lot smarter than me. Um, and, uh, so, you know, we went out there and, and I just started hustling, you know, I would write on the side. I took courses at UCLA, uh, trying to figure out how to write. Um, I remember, I remember being an intern at a place and someone was like, well, let me see some of your writing. Like, what do you have? Do you, have you written shorts? Have you written anything else? And I remember just very clearly being sitting there and being like, I've never written anything. Like I've never written a screenplay. I don't know how. Like front to back, like front to back, not even a scene, yeah. not even scenes. Right. And this was right. when I was like 21 and I'm like, well, I'm a creative writer. Like, obviously I can do this. And I just remember having this like aha moment of like, well, I, I need to be doing it. Like I, I haven't written a screenplay. Right. So um, I started taking courses at UCLA that was like, okay, there's the formatting and rules and, uh, you know, all these things like go into screenwriting. Um, and I just started, I started working my way up. I got a, I got a, a writing job on a game show. Um, that was, you know, I was the writer's assistant and the writer never showed up. So, so you were the writer, I became the writer. Um, you know, the, the supervising producer came over to me and he was like, can you write this show? And I was like, yeah, dude, yeah, I can write this show. I can write this show so hard. Yeah, I can write it. And he's like, he's like, all right, do it. And I'm like, okay, I will. And he's just standing next to me and he's like, no, we're like right now, write a script. Excuse me. And I literally wrote, started writing on this piece of paper in front of me. Like this was 25 years ago. I didn't even have a laptop or anything. And I just started writing and he just goes, he just like threw his hands up and he's like, I guess that'll have to do. And he like, he like walked off and then I was the writer of that show. So, you know, let's, let's not get too carried away. It was like a a strip. They call it a strip show. It wasn't a strip show. It was five days a week after school. That's a strip show um, where kids were telling yo mama jokes back and forth. It was like a tournament. So it's not, this wasn't high art by any means. Right. It was, it was me introducing this hood versus this hood. And so you were um, writing your, your mama jokes. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing, uh, well, the kids did most of the jokes. We'd help them out if they weren't, if they weren't funny. So it was like, it was legitimately a tournament. Wilmer Valderrama was the host. Uh, and he would say, you know, let's do this. And like the kids would go back and forth telling your mama. And I wrote everything Wilmer said. And uh, he, of course, would make it his own. And what's your uh, what's your favorite your mama joke? Uh, my favorite art. <laughs> I can't even say it. It doesn't hold up. It doesn't uh, hold up. But uh, so you that was trial by fire. That was your first writing gig. Yeah. So from from there, I mean, you just 
got got the next role or, or how did yeah, that work i mean it was you know it was hard i was told at the time this it was hard it's hard to break into the game show world and this was kind of a a loophole because it was an mtv thing it wasn't like jeopardy or you know one of the big game shows but i only had experience writing a game show so they told me about this other job that was uh it's called story producing but basically it was when reality kind of started happening right and it was like okay, someone gives you 20 hours of footage of 20 cameras, just shooting kids doing whatever they're doing, and you have to take all that footage and make it into a script. So it was Whoa. it was like writing in reverse. It was like taking puzzle pieces and trying to figure out a story um, that was, quote, you know, really happening, right? Um, so I started doing that. And, uh, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting challenge. I think it really teaches you production and, and those kinds of things because – you really, you really start to learn like, what do you actually need to tell a story? You know, you have these pieces and it's like, well, I could tell a story if I had this piece, <laughs> like I could do this a lot better. Um, so, you know, you come up with all kinds of ways to like cobble together stories out of nothing, essentially, um, you know, vo- doing in your own voices and like all kinds of random stuff, you know, um, to try to like piece together things. And, uh, you know, then it kind of got so that it was like, well, this is really expensive, uh, because people are sitting around forever trying to figure out what's what the stories are. So let's let's do outlines beforehand. So I'd start doing that, and then it would be like, well, you've done the outline, and you're going to do the post. So why don't you go out in the field and go get it? So I was like, okay. So I would start doing. So eventually, you know, I worked my way up to being a supervising producer who would do everything from just overseeing. Like I don't have any actual skills, right? <laughs> I just oversee the crew and and all that the creative and make sure the creative happens. Make sure we get. Um, what we know will be a story than whatever we actually can get in the field and make that into the best story possible based on the original plan. So just to kind of go, go there because you, you've had the, the storytelling vibe you've been, you at this point in your career, you're learning how to write stories. You're wor- learning about what makes a great compelling story, but you're working with the networks, right? Like the studios and they're telling you, here's what we want the show to be. Here's what the main theme is. And then was it your job from there to take the vision and figure out how to organize everybody on the crew to make that happen. Yeah. I mean, I was always, uh, one step down. There's all, I would always get hired in at a production company that would be hired by the network. Okay. Uh, okay. and some of that was by design. I mean, I don't want to be that person. Um, that role is not, there's no winning in that role. Cause you're, you're stuck between a network who wants one thing and a crew and talent and everyone else who really kind of wants something different. Right. Um, and it's your job to kind of, toe the line and uh, make sure you get keep the network happy but also the network as you can imagine kills a lot of good creative ideas so it's like kind of this balance of like how can we make this the coolest thing we can you know my role was often the person underneath that you know i always said i'm more like a sergeant than a general and i would kind of you know the old the old grizzled guy who's sometimes older than the person who's actually dealing with the network you know who's but who's done it for 20 years and that kind of thing so um you know, and now I try to stick to uh, writing and uh, post and, and I, you know, now we're in Kansas City. So uh, right. I like to do a lot of stuff remote um, just on my in my edit bay at home. And um, yeah. And that's awesome. Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, I, I listed in the very beginning, like, you know, some of the networks and the shows that you've worked on. Um, what would you say, where was the point where you decided I'm going to, cause you created G10 after, 
or, or that was part of the the, the getting getting out. When, when, what's the origin of G10, and what was the moment where you said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna do this on my own"? So G10 Creative is my own very small shop in Kansas City. We do okay. uh, branded um, documentary stuff. You know, corporate. We'll kind of do anything. You know, our our my bread and butter is still remote television. Um, but G10 does everything outside of that, right. For me in Kansas city. So, um, you know, the documentary I'm working on is a G10 project and, and that kind of thing. And that came from, you know, me kind of wanting to have my own identity in Kansas city. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm this guy who went to LA and did this kind of very specific thing for 14 years or so, and then came back and like, that didn't really translate, you know, to be honest, it was, there was a lot of a, it was kind of a loss of an identity. Right. So like I came Mm -hmm. back and I, I just wanted, uh, I wanted to be doing work here, like locally, um, you know, and, and, uh, so I started my own shop, you know, I, I worked at a company here for two years that, uh, it was fine. You know, it just wasn't a great fit. Like, there's a different kind of mentality. Um, I think from, you know, I had to get over myself. I had to get over my own ego a little bit of like, right. I've done shows for Hulu and you guys are doing this stuff. Like I need, you know, I, to totally owning it needed to get over myself, you know? Sure. Um, but so it wasn't, it was, it was good. You know, uh, they taught me a lot. I learned, met a lot of people in Kansas city, but I just wasn't really happy. You know, um, I think I needed, I've always kind of needed to do my own thing. Um, and I actually read this book that now is probably a little bit cliche, but it's called you are a badass by Jen Sincero. Um, My wife and I both went through that and that was the first of its kind when she wrote that. Yeah. So respect. I I remember sitting on my lawnmower, looking through the library app, like, what am I going to read next? While you're mowing the lawn? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I took a break, but (laughs) okay. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I remember just seeing the title. It was like, you are a badass. Stop. I forget what it is. It's like, stop like, you know, letting your own creative self down. That's the kind of vibe. Right. And it was yeah. just like, all right, I'm going to read this literally never read a book like that ever. Like the only thing other than fiction I've pretty much ever read is screenwriting books. Um, there's screenwriting books. Oh yeah. Oh like God. on how to, okay. How yeah. To yeah. How to okay. screenwrite. So I'm mean, going have a whole library. Um, some of my, the spines aren't even open yet. Um, but yeah, so the Jen Sincero book, and I felt like, you know, it might have been catered more towards like younger females, but like something in it was just like, holy shit, like, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> I need to quit this, quit where I'm working. I need to start my own thing. I happened to have somebody start talking to me like right then about doing a job that would probably hold me over for like the rest of that year. Sure. Um, so I was like, this is a great time to do it. Um, that job fell apart and I didn't do it. So that was a little scary, but, uh, Never regretted it, you know, like never really looked back, never been like, oh, you know, there's times that, you know, you'll ask anybody who's a uh, small business or freelance and they'll say, um, you know, it's a real up and down kind of a deal, you know, right. and, it, and it is. But uh, so sometimes you're like, I wish I could be in house, but like ultimately, you know, no, no real regrets. And uh, so we're always looking for clients in Kansas City. You know, we're, we're, we try to tell, tell stories and do miniature docs and, and that right. kind of thing. And, and, you know, we'll do, we'll do kind of whatever, but I mean, obviously we'd, we'd prefer to do cool storytelling. Right. So with that, you know, you mentioned in-house and that came in one of our previous conversations in-house is when you're an employee of like a studio, right? Yeah. Or, like in-house at like an ad, an ad agency, ad agency. Or, Got it. Uh, you know, like every, every business now seems to have their own little like video studio, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, Cause it, 
it was, well, it was the future a few years ago. Now it, we are yeah. living in the future. Now it is. Now it yeah. is. And, and there's, uh, you know, it's kind of another like sort of loss of it's really been diluted. So now it's like everyone can film. Um, everyone can, uh, you know, uh, make content. In fact, the bar is, I don't want to say lower. The bar is just different. So right. that, you know, you can do something really quickly in 10 minutes. Um, whereas it used to be a four day thing, you know? Um, so you know, it, it, anyway, the, the, the short answer is that's what G10 is. It's like kind of my identity in Kansas City. You know, um, some years we don't do a whole lot because I'm doing TV the whole time. Some years we, you know, do all kinds of stuff. So. Right. So on that subject, you know, you talked about how it's been diluted. Um, what separates G10 from other studios? And, um, you know, even in Kansas City, and maybe you could talk about what, you know, Kansas City is doing well, maybe what you'd like to see more of as well. But um, what separates you guys and, and what you are doing? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know that anything separates us other than the fact that we want to shoot what we want to shoot. So like we're less of the we're less of the like, we'll shoot 10 of these videos for you. That's your thing. That's your creative. And we'll bang it out by this time. Great example. And we're yeah. more of a like, I, well, let's find a good story to tell. Right. Right. Um, I have had moments with my family and my daughter where I've decided that I need to try to tell stories that can, you know, create positive change that can potentially help someone that can potentially shed a light on something. And, and, you know, that's sort of cliche. And a lot of people kind of have that moment. Um, for me, it was uh, watching inside pediatrics. It's a show, a uh, regional show on children's mercy hospital that I did with a company out of St. Louis called cool fire. Um, and my daughter who was, I don't know, seven at the time, just sitting on the end of the bed, you know, her resting, resting her face in her hands, like a Norman Rockwell painting. <laughs> And uh, she's just riveted by this show and this kid and this girl needs, I think she needed a heart transplant and you know, there's a cliffhanger and she's like, my daughter just turns around and goes, does she get the heart? And I just remember being like everything else that I've done up until now, my daughter can't watch. Like she's not, she's too young. It's true crime. There's it's murders. It's all these right. things. It's drunk kids living in a house. Um, and I, you know, I just in that moment was like, I should, why don't I do something else? You know? Um, so I think, you know, if there's something that sets us apart, it's that, you know, we're trying to do what we actually care about doing. We're trying to tell stories that we think will make a difference. It, maybe that's arrogant, you know, but, um, I think it, I think it, you know, I'm old enough to, to realize that some of the old adages are actually true. If you like do what ones? you want to do, <laughs> like it will be better. The work mm -hmm. will be better. Right. People will, people will, uh, gravitate towards you. If you put out into the universe, what you want to do and you're actually doing that. Um, and I think, I think it's true. It's Jen, you know, Jen Sincero, who I'm sure is an avid listener. She'll, she'll, she'll say, <laughs> Jen, I'm tagging you. <laughs> this is, this is what it, you know, this is what it is. Right. Like, yeah, um, man. So, yeah. Well, there's this element. That was a ramble. No, I, I love it, man. I love it. And I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down here. Um, you know, when you when you um, follow orders and instructions, and again, like people have asked me, like, no, I don't think entrepreneurship is for everybody. I don't think everybody needs to run their own business, and I don't think every person who is a screenwriter or a director or whomever should leave and go on their own. But for those of us who have been getting nagged our entire freaking life, we are hiding a gift from the world. And honestly... Um, I saw a quote, I saw a meme, a meme, you know, this is how we communicate now. 
like something like most people die at 25, but they're not buried till they're 75. And that one hit me like a 10 ton hammer this morning. And I was thinking about, you know, where I was at five years ago, you know, working in jobs just to, because I thought that's what I had to do and how now like the struggle of being on my own. I mean, it's, it's like being in the wilderness and you're handed a, you know, a pocket knife and they're, you're like, they're like, you know, build a home for yourself, build a fire, go out and get wood, go out and get food. And so I don't think it's for everybody, but I think like for you, man, like, as I'm hearing you say that and thinking about your journey, I'm like, I am so glad that you are making what you want to make, you know? Um, and we'll talk about chasing goals because I know there's a story there of how you got to that subject and why that, why that movie and why, um, but you know, for anybody listening out there, that's one of the things that I want people to see when they listen to this show is like, look, look what he did. Look at what he did. And he had his epiphany, his origin story, his conversion kind of story. And now look at what he's doing and look at the impact that you're able to make because you're like, you know what? We just want to make what we want to make. And um, with G10 and specifically with Chasing Goals, I mean, you've had people join you on the journey, right? Like, um, forgive me, one of one of your folks that you're working with, they just won an Emmy, Right. Yeah, so the, true? Uh, the editor, so Chasing Goals is, there's three other people working on it. Um, yeah. I have an amazing cinematographer. His name is Evan Wan. She's also a Kansas City guy. Um, he kind of cut his teeth in New York doing the gorilla dock out there, which is its own thing, lugging gear on subways and dodging homeless people and <laughs> all wow, that kind of stuff. Wow, I have heard of it. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, um, it's, a, it's a wild place to do documentaries. Um and then I have an editor. His name is Curtis McConnell. Um, and he did just win an Emmy for uh, Welcome to Wrexham. Oh, right. Uh, so, right. yeah. So I teamed up with him. Uh, and, and now his wife, actually, Brittany, is a really talented and creative producer who's come on to help us um, kind of edit and put the stuff together and post. Um, which, you know, the three of them, like, there's no way I could do this without them, you know. And, and I, I really believe, like... I could do some version of it, but it wouldn't be what it is, you know? Right. Um, so I'm really grateful to to the three of them. And we're all just doing, I'm paying for everything. I'm not paying them. We're all just doing it. You know, we're doing it because we think it's a cool story and uh, a story that should be told, you know, Brittany and uh, Curtis were both born in Africa. So there's, they have a tie to uh, the subject matter. Um, so I think that speaks, you know, speaks to them and Curtis has cut a bunch of soccer things. Welcome to Wrexham. Uh, being being one of them, the newest the newest messy documentary. I can't. There's two of them out. I don't know which one he did. Sorry, Curtis. Um, the good one. He did the good one. Uh, <laughs> so so you know, I mean, the team the team is everything. You know, um, and uh, they kind of keep me going. And in my uh, you know, I told I told them the other day, like they're they're 75 percent of the people that I trust in the entertainment industry. Wow. Um, and, and and there's three of them. The cool thing that uh, the cool thing about them is I don't have to pretend to be somebody I'm not, you know. So, uh it's a it's a good team, you know. I can kind of just like live in my anxieties and um all these kinds of things and they know it's cool, it's fine, he's good, he's not <laughs> It's okay if he's not steering the ship right this second. Right. He'll get it. Um so yeah, it's it's been a wild ride, man. It's the biggest project I've ever done, and I'm doing it with. We need 20 extra people that we we don't have, so it's been crazy. So to because we'll we'll talk about that too, like what you need for the film and the awareness that you're you're driving out there. Um, how did you find them? How did you find your team? And you know, on the subject of like going out on your own and saying, "I want to make things. I want to make." 
and you saying it's going to attract people that see that. And with what I said about, you know, when you're not doing that, you're hiding it from people. How have you gotten people to join you on mission? How, how did they join you on this? And yeah, yeah. so, so the club, the club, the film is about a club called global FC, which is a, it's an organization in Kansas city that helps provide, um, uh, all kinds of things to kids. I mean, the, the thing that I'm focusing on is the soccer aspect, but it provides them with uh, tutoring and, and counseling and all these kinds of things. Right. Um, but what makes them special is uh, the club is all refugees. So it's a, you know, it's people coming here who don't speak English, who don't necessarily have all the things they need, um, you know, and there's resettlement agencies they work with and, and, you know, all these kinds of things, but global really provides like a sense of community and family and gives them back something that's very normal for them, which is soccer. Um, and you know, it's an incredible organization. You know, I've, I've totally been humbled by the amount of sacrifice, the, the, uh, the coaches, the mentors, the mentees, the executive director, uh, Maria, um, what they give to these kids is, you know, like you think you do a good thing one day and it's like, no, I, you don't understand. Like these people devote like half their life to these kids and these teams. Um, you know, the, the, the coaches in a lot of cases literally drive around before every game, picking up every player. Right. You know, and it's, it's, that seems like, oh, they give them rides. It's just so much more than that though. The, you know, um, these, the, you know, they'll show me their phones. It's like, Oh, so-and-so is like, can you come help me? My bike got stolen or can, they're like parents. They're like uh, older brothers, um, you know, and sisters. It's not all, it's not all men. I don't mean to be like that. Um, but, but that's the club. The club is global FC. Um, I came on, I was volunteering sporadically at a couple of resettlement agencies um, and when you say resettlement, you mean like these are refugees that have come over from like Afghanistan yeah. or Ukraine or, yeah. you know, uh, other parts of All the, world, over the but world, just, yeah, yeah, resettlement. So these agencies handle like, you know, getting these folks taken care of, like, yeah. where are you going to stay? What's going to be your process while you're here? Exactly. So they assist. The, so all the way started, down to giving them diapers, giving them, there's like a stipend check. They make sure they get the stipend check. Right. Um, they help them with everything from learning English to like paying an electric bill to just all kinds of things that you would never think about being an issue, but it is. Yeah. Um, and I was, so I was volunteering at these places and, and, you know, I had a moment where it was like, okay, you see the Afghanistan withdrawal and you see that whole thing happen. And I just started thinking about like, well, where are these people going to go? Like, you know, and I don't know why, but it just kind of stuck in my head. And I kind of, kind of, I don't know if it was in my head or like, I actually heard someone say it, but I just had this vibe of living in kind of, I live outside of Kansas city, more, a more rural part of just people being like, I hope they don't come here. And, and I don't know if that was a, I don't know if I made that up, but like, I just knew that some people would think that. Right. And so I, I just decided that, let's figure out a way to like volunteer and help. And in that, maybe I can find some stories to tell to sort of humanize this crisis. And I'm thinking about Afghanistan um, and I get into it and I'm just an ignorant American. I don't know anything. There's so many people from so many countries who've been coming for years and decades. And That's right. And there's these resettlement agencies who are, I mean, just doing incredible work that you just, you don't even know about it. You have, you have no idea, you know, um, and once you're kind of in, once you're kind of in it, I'm not to say that I'm in it, but like you see that it's, it is a big group of a mass of people helping these people. And that's what they do. They just help these people. Um, and it, you know, it was my volunteer job. I only, I didn't do it that often. I should, I should do it more, but was to sit at the front desk while the person at the front desk took a lunch break. 
was like, sure. cool, I can do that. I have no real skill other than like storytelling, but I can sit here at this table. <laughs> right. 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 Um, and in that people coming up, I'm using Google translate. I seeing kids translating for their parents. I'm seeing people needing everything. People, people donating, coming in and being like, here's a couch. Where do you want it? Like, I mean, it was it's wow, kind of a crazy dude. environment that they have down to a well. oil. And this machine. is in Kansas city. This so like Kansas what city. I want to do is, um, is I want to name these organizations as well. Sure. So people know how they can get involved. Yeah. One is JVS. It's a Jewish, I think it's vocational. Oh, I'm going to butcher this. They go by JVS. Okay. And it has, at first I was like, oh, it'll be for Jewish people. It's not, it's for anyone and everyone. Right. Um, I think it started during World War II. And um, so that name made sense for the sure. people that are helping. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I I don't represent them, so I could be getting that information wrong. But um, the other one's called Della Lamb. Um, and I've, I've talked with both of them. I've, I've gone and done uh, house setups with uh, people at my church and, um, you know, it, it just sort of became this deal of like, you know, just, just seeing little things like my daughter walking like some toys into a room and just being like, I can't, I just, I can't imagine that. Like, I can't imagine my daughter doing that or going through that, you know? Um, yep. and so I just wanted to figure out ways for my daughter to be able to help more and be involved and see that because we come from a privileged out bubble and Liberty, um, and somebody was like, you should totally go volunteer at the soccer team, uh, which was global. Um, and I never volunteered there. I went there one time and was like, this is a film. I have to film this. <laughs> yeah, so, buddy. So, you know, yeah. we went there and we saw one game and uh, the kids got smoked. And I saw, you know, kids with holes in their shoes and not a single parent there. And um, there's a coach named Sean, who's uh, one of the most dedicated guys you'll ever see walking off the field and I just walked up and introduced myself and, and I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm here. I'm talking about filming a documentary as you know, and the people I was supposed to meet had already left or whatever. And he was like, yeah, no, that sounds great. And then I, but what I realized what he was doing was getting all of these boys into his car. Like he took the whole team home <laughs> and I just, you know, oh. there's just these little moments where I'm just like, Oh, none of these kids have cars or rides or parents or friends that can take them to the games, but that's what Sean does. So Sean yeah, does dude. that, you know? Um, one of the most positive coaches all you'll ever see too. this guy. I mean, this guy's amazing. He, he coaches their 18s. Um, this is the story is going on and on and on. It's a ramble, but um, I happened to get there. There's a new director of coaching. His name is Mike Brown. Yeah. He's and, in the trailer. Right? Yeah. He's in yep. the trailer. Uh, really good dude has a, has a great life philosophy about running your own marathon, which I need to hear over and over yes, and over sir. again. Um He's, he's there and he's come up with this idea. I don't know. I'm not, I don't know if it was entirely his idea, but you know, I'll credit, I'll credit you, Mike, uh, <laughs> to, to give these kids one thing they're not getting as experiences to travel games. Um, so he comes up with this plan to do, take an elite team to the USA cup, which is the biggest, uh, youth soccer tournament in, in the hemisphere. Um, so it's a big deal. People from Jamaica and Europe and South America, all over the place. There's 60 fields at this place. I mean, it's crazy. Right. Um, but global doesn't have enough players to fill a 17s team elite on a, at an elite level. So Mike comes and he, he combines three age groups of teams. So you've got kids all the way down to 15 playing against basically 18s. Um, they do it in one month. So they have one month to prepare for this. So there's, three, basically three groups of kids who haven't played together and they, they come and they gel and they form this team. And, 
um, they go to the tournament. And so that's, that's what we followed. I was like, well, that's, you know, if there's a good way to hang, uh, these sort of human interest stories on, it's a, it's a, some kind of a sports tournament. Um, that's a, it's, you know, it's like a Hollywood story. It's a true underdog sports story. I was story. just thinking about that. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and so I saw that and, uh, we just started filming, you know, we started filming their practices and we'd pull kids aside. They don't know me, you know, so it's, I'm sure they didn't want to talk to me at first, you know, and sure. we'd get little bites here and there like, Oh yeah, I play soccer. Cause it's fun. You know, and it's like, okay, well this might suck, but we just stayed with them and we kept coming and showing up with water and Gatorade and granola bars. And then went to every single practice. Um, Mike and coach Tombari, uh, who's a Nigerian refugee, but he's older. He's the, the assistant coach. Um, Helped me work, work me and Evan, my shooter, work our way in with them. And sure, you know, yeah. uh, the kids were very, you know, the kids are very welcoming. And, and, uh, eventually, you know, we were now in the process of documenting their kind of journeys and their stories. So we've got all the soccer stuff. We've got most of the kids interviewed and, uh, we're now going back and we're doing sort of B roll stuff, them at barbecuing with their family, right, uh, right. them at the, the grocery store in their neighborhood and uh, just little kind of human moments like that. So, um, you know, we're wrap, we're wrapping up the film. We've got another 20% to, to film probably. Right. And, uh, then we, we have a massive edit to do, you know, which is totally overwhelming. Um, but I've got Curtis and Brittany in post <laughs> right, right, to help me with that. So, um, and they're, they're amazing and doing a lot of lifting. So um, it's a huge, it's a huge thing that somewhere along the lines, I just, felt like I had to do. Yeah. And can't yeah. and can't quit doing till it's done. So Well, yeah, I mean, I just seeing where just hearing that and what I've heard you say um and share with me before, it's like you're too far along to to not We're see this. We're in it yet. now, buddy. And too many people are already fans of this too. Like um you you're getting a lot of traction on social media. Um, just real quick before we talk about like what, what you're needing next and what the next few months look like too. Um, just to clarify. So global FC, they are, they are all over the United States, right? All over the world. They're just Kansas city. They're just Kansas city. I'm just so Kansas glad city. I asked you about that. Cause I noticed there's global, global FC underscore KC. I'll tag them. But, um, so they're just in KC and this is not the only team. So the 17 kids from 17 different countries, Yep. how, what, what is the impact? Um, so the club has nine teams, I believe nine teams and they're starting a, a girl's team all um, in Kansas city. Yeah. So their teams Whoa. are all the way, you know, it's like the age groups. So it's down, sure. down to, okay. I don't know exactly you know, there's like nine or 10 year olds all the way up to the 18s. So when you were saying earlier, 15, 17, 18s, you meant yep. like three teams of like three different age groups. Okay. Yep. Got it. Got so it. so, there's so nine they combined, teams? yeah, they combined three age groups into one elite team. It's a, it's a lot. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable, but yeah, I mean, it, it was started here by, uh, her name is Maria Goodbreak. Um, you know, she just had this vision. Uh, she's an Afghani refugee. Uh, and you know, she will, she tells the story so much better than me, but she had this vision of, she went to a park, I believe in Columbus park, a community center and saw some Afghani kids playing there. And, uh, the next time she went, they were there and she brought a soccer ball and just kicked, you know, throughout a soccer ball and then like had three soccer balls. And, yeah. you know, eventually now she, there's nine teams and there's a staff, they have a, you know, office space and that is so uh, cool. all this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I, they need so much more, but it's amazing what they're doing with what they have, I think. Right. Um, and what they really have is good people, you know? 
Um, because one thing about soccer is obviously all you need is a ball. And if you listen to these kids' stories, some of them didn't even have that. They like made a ball. So it's one of those things that like they know it's in their, it's in their blood and you can do anywhere, you know, like you could go in the parking lot and play soccer. You don't have to have a field. Um, so, you know, global is, uh, doing really amazing things with, without very much, um, you know, and really impacting these kids' lives. I mean, I've I've heard kids tell me that they would be on the streets if it weren't for the soccer club. And it's almost like I don't I don't believe you. But if you look at if the if you look at the kid, you know, it's like that's that's like that's like an extreme, right? But if the kid looking you in the eye telling you that, you know, it's he's telling you the truth. That's right. Um, that's right. And so you know, I'm, I know that I know that you know I don't know them all, but uh, these mentors and the coaches and, and every, everybody involved are, are really changing these kids' lives. Yeah, man. Um, so what, what does it look like with, um, you you talked about, you've got a lot of the footage done. Um, the, these kids are here in Kansas city right now. They're going to Kansas city schools, right? Um, they, I correct me if I'm wrong, but some of them are at the point where they could actually get recruited for teams or um, yeah. W- what does that look like? What's their, what's their year going to look like, I guess. Yeah. So I'm not the guy it. who definitely understands all of the soccer, uh, like the labyrinth of, of soccer right. leagues and all that. Right. In fact, I, a lot of, a lot of the stuff I film, I like to get into cause I don't know anything about it. This is definitely one of those cases. Sure. Um, but I do know that, you know, most of them play for high school uh, here in Kansas city. And then the global spring, the global, uh, season will be the spring season. Okay. Um, so it'll be the club season. There are three or four seniors who yes, could go play in college, could be recruited by any of the, um, one of their, one of their older brothers actually plays for the sporting Academy. Oh, um, nice. So yeah, there's options there. I don't, I'm not exactly sure how to, how they get, get to those places. And it, one of the sad things is, and I know the coaches work with them, uh, on this a lot is, is they don't know either. You know, I've, I've sat down and I always relay these kinds of messages, but I sat down with one kid and was like, so do you want to play in college? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. How do you do that? And he's like, I don't know. And it's like, he's like, I know there's, I know there's camps you can go to and they'll see you play there. And I was like, okay, cool. So you can go to one of those camps. And I just kind of put it out of my, my mind. And I went home and I was like Googling like college soccer camps. They're all like two grand. Like they're all, you know most of these kids aren't going to be able to go to these soccer camps. Right. So, right. you know, it, I feel like it's, it's sort of arrogant, presumptuous. I don't know what, what the word is, but like part of why I want to do this is so that some of these kids can get seen without paying any money. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I, I know that this isn't like a soccer highlight reel, but I feel like if, if you saw this, one of these kids names on a sheet of paper that they might be coming toward to your area and you'd seen this film, then maybe you would remember them, you know? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, with, with that, I know you've got goals that you want, you want it to get released. What, what does that look like? Yeah. We're as far I as mean, releasing it. We're pitching. So I've done TV for 20 years. Um, Curtis and Brittany and LA both have, have done at, at least that much. Uh, actually, that's not true. They're younger than me. They haven't done, I've done more than them, Um, (laughs) but they're, uh, they know a lot of people. Um, I still have contacts. I've been back here nine years, but I still have some. So we're pitching uh, larger production companies. We're pitching networks, you know, Apple TV, the streamers, Netflix, all those kinds of things, you know, um, 
I think the one thing that we're missing that we all kind of agree that we we need is sort of a name to to back the film, right? Um, we can do fine without it, um, but it would open a lot of doors if we had someone, right? So, you know, we're also approaching people in Kansas City, you know, the big named actors here, sure. some of the athletes, you know. Uh, thank God we're in the Super Bowl, but also like I'm not going to talk to any Chiefs players for another couple of weeks. But you know, <laughs> we're we'll, we're hitting up some athletes and uh, people yeah. who have ties to the community and the refugee community and yeah. the old Northeast and that kind of thing. And you know, just bring those people on as quote executive producers, right? Which in some cases, yeah, they would make calls to their friends and that kind of thing. In other cases, it's just uh, look who's in our uh, sport supporting section. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. So, and, and that's, you know, we've, we've been, uh, the club is supported by the Casey current who we love and they shared our trailer for us, uh, which was amazing. It got, uh, 25,000 views, which I didn't think that any, that many people would ever watch it. It is so beautiful, man. Um, so I really appreciate them doing that. And we, you know, we've had conversations with sporting as well and, and they're, they're going to help out. And, um, you know, so it's just, it's about getting the word out, you know, I mean, in a way, could we use a hundred grand? Absolutely. I don't know. No one's going to give us a hundred grand. Right. But right. Uh, it's about getting the word out so that we can get it to where we need it to go. Right. So something that's occurring to me right now too, with your experience as uh, as a person who's written screenplays, there's this, this element of chasing goals where you're, you're dot. And this is what documentaries are, right? Like you're documenting what's, what's happening, what these kids are doing, but there is an element of, of screenwriting that you have to do to make it all make sense. And I'm thinking about earlier when you were talking about earlier in your career, you know, there's like 20 cameras on and people are trying to figure out how to make it make sense. Where have you come in? Where have you exercised those muscles as a, a screenwriter with chasing goals? Yeah, it's, it's been hard because we have yeah. just shot and shot and shot and shot and shot. Um, and the plan has always loosely been, we're following these boys to this tournament. So there is like an actual like timeline and structure to it, right? Sure. But, yeah. you know, besides that, there's 17 stories we're trying to weave in. So it's like, where do those go? You know, um, our strategy currently is we have a loose outline and we're just fleshing out the stories as little pods. Um, and we'll see where they fit. Right. 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 Um, but it's, it's, it is, it is kind of a weird, it's kind of like the old school way of doing quote reality TV where it's like, okay, now make a story out of all this. You know, <laughs> I, I kind of truthfully wish I had had a better plan going into it, but at the same time, like you can't plan. I didn't know any of the kids. I didn't know if they were going to win a single game. I didn't know, you know, the only thing I knew was I couldn't go back and film. I couldn't go back in time and film something I didn't film. So right. I just started filming, right? right. Uh, Evan and I, and Evan uh, has been very gracious in filming in 110 degree practices every week. And, uh, you know, we just tried not to miss anything. That was pretty, that was pretty much the goal. We went and filmed this tournament, just the two of us. We had like six cameras, like we were taping them to poles and uh, all, all kinds of stuff, you know? Um, yeah. We had our two main sort of cinema cameras. And then I bought a little robot that fought, tracks the ball. Uh, so, and you put your phone on it and it just tracks the ball, um, GoPros behind the goals, you know, all this little handheld so we can like run out on the field. Uh, it was intense, man. I mean, and and Evan's the only one that knows how to shoot, you know, I, I can hold, I can hold my own, but I'm not a cinematographer. So are there moments where like, he's, he's telling you where to go and film and, and you kind of let him take control of that kind of stuff. He's the visual guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, during, you know, he comes up with plans for, um, 
what's going to look the best. You know, I don't know how to shoot a soccer game. I had no idea. And truthfully, I don't think he did either, but we came up with this plan, which was I was going to shoot and he was going to shoot. And I was going to run between cameras, setting them up, you know, doing new takes, that kind of stuff. While he tried to focus on the game, I was focused on the bench. Um, and luckily we had like four of the six games were live streamed. So we have those feeds as well. that look like shit, but at least, <laughs> you know, when we, if we miss a goal, at least it's on some footage. Yeah. Somewhere. It's, a, it's a quick little three yeah. second snippet. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, that's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Gosh, so pulling everything together. I mean, for two people, I think we did amazing. I mean, it couldn't have gone any better. And, you know, a lot of that was because the, the team's actual story was like a Hollywood story too. They lost the first game zero three. And I, I remember just sitting there like, what have I done? Like I've already spent 10 grand, you know, and I'm in Minnesota without my family, with me and Evan standing there with all these people. (laughs) It's like, yeah, they're not going to, I was like, I don't know if they're going to win a game because they got shut out this first game you know, and three goals in soccer is a lot. (laughs) Right. That's right. Yeah. um, And then they did what you do in a Hollywood movie and they never lost another game until the championship. Um, But the, but losing the championship, which was to the first team they played. So they lost that team twice. Um, But they beat the team in the semifinals, I think was the best team in the tournament and they beat them. Wow. Uh, And they beat them in a shootout, which is unheard of. I mean, it rarely happens Two two extra extra time sessions i'm not a soccer guy everyone's laughing at me <laughs> they go into they go into overtime twice extra innings what do you call it in soccer i don't know but and then it goes to a shootout and it's just five guys just drilling balls at the goal and right. one of these guys from this team from jamaica missed and went over the top and that was it that was enough for them to go to the finals man um so 17 kids from 17 different countries What's been your, how, how, because so, there's this other element, you're seeing these, these young men like grow and develop and learn how to work as a team. And they come from 17 different places, man. You know, like I'm, I'm guessing some of them don't speak common languages. What, what's that process been like? I mean, so any it, nuggets from that? Like yeah, just watching. It's interesting. And I think like the main thing they taught me is not to really assume anything about anyone. Um, right. Because I kind of, you know, and I catch myself, my daughter loves these boys. I talk to them about them a lot. She's 10. She thinks they're the greatest people in the world. And they, she may be right. Um, well, she's gone to practices. She's too, gone right? to practices with yeah. us and she goes with me <laughs> to see their so games. Cool. <laughs> she has nicknames for some of them. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, they'll FaceTime and they'll like talk to her on FaceTime and, um, remember what I was saying? Well, just what's it been like watching them work together yeah, as a team? So, you said, don't assume. Yeah. some you know, they're from, I think it's 29 countries total. So some of the boys are from the same places, but Okay, they didn't know, uh, there's probably, I don't know, 10, 11 countries on the team. Okay. Um, most of them are African. So a lot of them speak Swahili. Okay. Uh, which is a common regional, but then they all speak. Some of them speak like six languages. It's crazy. Wow. Um, but watching them, you know, it's funny because like, and this is what I mean about not assuming anything. Like you come in, I came into this thinking, okay, these are refugee kids separated from the fact that they're actually just kids who can't, mm-hmm. who've come from somewhere else. Right. Right. So right. like I had to really remind myself that like, you know, I'm like, oh, man, they ate all the granola bars. Like, 
maybe they, you know, and it's like, well, they're also high school boys. Right. So like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. So like yep. there's, you know, and I hate in all my sort of marketing material, I say like refugee athletes and whatever, cause that's what sells it. But like they're, they're kids, they're just kids. Yeah, and like, bro. that's kind of the point of all of this to me is they're, they're just kids. They just want to be kids. They want to be really good at soccer. And, and a lot of them are, a few of them are elite. Um, and you know, just just don't assume anything <laughs> like you know i i try to not lump them all in as one category because they're as different as you know people from all over the u.s you know so. right i i appreciate that too that level set um because and and that's something too like for me because i haven't spent time volunteering with some of these organizations um i have buddies in my church that grew up in africa grew up in other parts of the world and so they're very familiar with you know, the, the cultural pieces, the language pieces. Um, and that's something like, I think that's part of why I did this podcast too, because I want to learn about things that I don't know anything about. I love how you said, um, I'm not a soccer guy because based on the chasing goals, like Instagram, like which you run, right? Like you look like, you know, a, a ton about it. I mean, you're posting, you're sharing news and like, could have fooled me, man. I thought, I honestly, I thought you were a soccer guy. Like, I haven't played soccer. <laughs> I played soccer in third grade when I lived in Germany is the last time I've played soccer. Okay. And I'm 44. But, <laughs> right uh, on. It's, it comes back quick. I mean, we, you know, I take my daughter to current games a lot. Uh, okay. So we've, you know, we've kind of become obsessed there. And so it is easy to like kind of pick, get into it. And, yeah. um, you know, that team is so approachable. It makes you feel like you're, you're there and with them and know them. And so then you start following their Instagrams and you just kind of, so you just kind of yeah. get, once you get back into that world, you know, um, there's the, the things that I don't really understand are the, um, like the leagues and that kind of stuff. But yeah. Like, you know, the game, I don't understand it the way the boys do. Like they, they're like a living organism, organism when they play, but, um, you know, it, it's a relatively simple game. And, and when you boil it down to its basic, you know, basic parts. So, yeah. um, you know, and then the rest is just sharing stuff that the other teams share. <laughs> right. Um, so I guess as far as the, the filmmaking aspects go and organizing all this stuff. What are some of the, the business things that you've got to be concerned with? You know, like, you know, you've got, uh, you know, there's time management, there's operations. It's like, you're your own entity, right? So, you know, you've got taxes that come into play. Um, you know, what are some tips that you might have for people that are wanting to go out on their own? Maybe they're feeling that same itch that you felt, um, and they want to transition, but they've got fear, you know, like, uh, I don't even know the first thing of what I do. What would you, what would you say to those people? I mean, I would say that you're never not going to be afraid. So mm. are you ever going to do it? You know, like, I'd say read the Jensen Chero book, first of all, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You are um, a badass at making money. Yeah. Because what it was yeah, the first two, one. The one's, the two, yep. one's about creativity. Right. Um, you know, and I don't know, it's not going to speak to everybody, but uh, the whole thing is, man, like you can't, you don't, you only get one shot at every day, you know, that's, that's the whole thing. So, you know, I tell my daughter, like you can, you can sit and like wonder what that other person's thinking about you or, feeling sad about this or, or whatever you want, or you can enjoy this moment because now it's gone. Now it's gone. Now it's gone. And I tell her, she's like, now it's the past. Now it's the future. And she like freaks out. But like, uh, it really, it really is. I mean, you know, it, 
there's this whole this whole cliche like you only have so much time kind of a deal uh and if that's not scary i don't know what is it so you know right. if you're afraid of doing what you want to do i mean i'd be more afraid of not yeah that's kind of the thing i think that nagged me and when i talk to other entrepreneurs i have people come on the show too um there is that that idea that uh the idea of staying the same um when that hurts more than going out the fear of like going out and doing your own thing so you at least at that point you get to say i tried right because you don't ever get to say uh you know i failed at it unless you tried it you know and you're always going to learn something from it um which on that subject what have you learned since you've gone down this path, I mean, what are some lessons that have really stuck with you with business or the film or either shoot? Let's start with business. Let's talk with, then let's talk about the film. Business yeah. is, a, is about being patient. I mm-hmm. think mostly, uh, for me anyway, I can't go out and force sales. You know, I can't go, uh, I can't sell, you know, until I figured out what it was I actually wanted to do. I couldn't sell anything, you know? Right. And that was, a, there was a long period of like comparing myself to these other companies. I still do that. You know, I'm still like, how are they doing this? How did they get this person to film with them or whatever? And it takes like my wife literally being like, yeah, but you don't do the same thing that they do. They do something different than you do. Like, why are you worried about what they do? And it's like, cause you have, uh, I have this idea of what I think I should be, but that's not, that's not really what I am. And what I am is figuring out what it is that I actually want to do, which is tell stories that I think could help someone, right? That is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I think finding that one thing is really the only business advice that you can give that's worth anything, right? Like you can, you can say all kinds of things. You can read all kinds of books. There's people that tweet out wisdom every five seconds of every day. But like, if you're not doing what it is that you are supposed to be doing you're wasting your time and you don't have that much of it right on the film uh, on chasing goals what are what are some things you've learned oh there's a lot i would not do the same way i can tell you that yeah a lot is. of it's organizational um mm. you know i started out just filming and it's like well now i know that the thing is you know simple stuff like i needed two 40 terabyte hard drives instead of I'll get a three three terabyte hard drive and then get another one and then get another one and then get another Video one. Video is so huge, man. And, and now I have a stack of drives that are all daisy chained together. And, you oh, know, man. And, and that's kind of a metaphor for the whole process. You know, it's like, mm. had I thought about, okay, you know, I brought a cooler full of stuff for the boys every time that I would get at a gas station on the way. Well, had I thought ahead, I could have gone to Costco and saved so much money. Sure. <laughs> you know? um, had your I, garage be like a little mini warehouse for them. I think feeding it's, teenage boys, yeah, man. I think it's 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 about you know just giving yourself grace though you know because we're always all learning like i don't know i don't know what i'm doing you don't know what you're doing but we're trying to figure it out and we're trying to do the the stuff that makes us happy um and and you know i think that uh there's been time there's been a hundred times where i'm like what am i doing i don't know why i'm doing this film and then there'll Mm. be one person that's like thank you for doing this film you know um and that's you know I had a, I had a moment um, during the summer where I was like, I spent a lot of time filming and it might've been my daughter's sort of last summer before she goes to middle school, before it's like, she, I'm not fun and whatever and whatever. And, you know, and, uh, I was talking to my friend about that. I was like, you know, maybe I should have spent more time with Molly, with my daughter um, and less time filming. And she just goes, yeah, but look what you taught her. 
Oh, dude. And I was like, you know, I was like, wow, you know, you're right. And, and I thought about it and I was like, she was with me filming. Like she would go with me to film and she met these boys and she saw all these things. And now she literally will say like, I shouldn't complain about that because I know there's people that don't have this. That's right. And, you know, it's not that I, it's not like a hero moment for me, but it's uh so I did what I wanted to do over, over the full summer and didn't stress about doing all the things that I think I should be doing. And it ended up being like this great opportunity for me, for my daughter. Um, hopefully, hopefully the boys will get something out of it, you know, but I myself have learned and grown and like, I've, it's been a perspective change just watching these people do what it is they do. I absolutely love how you've invited your daughter into this dude. I cannot tell you how important that has been for us. My wife and I doing our own thing. And when we're sitting there grinding on, you know, I'm, I'm making the, the reels for the podcast or I'm editing and, you know, to have your kid come and sit on your lap and say, what are you doing? And for me, it's like, I start to stumble and I go, gosh, I'm like, I'm like cutting out uh, parts and clips and things. And how do I explain this to her? She's not on a computer yet, but this is a great exercise for me to practice and say, can I explain this? Do I know this so well that I can explain it to a four-year-old? And then it's wild, man, seeing what they get out of it. Now, like for example, I mean, and you can tell, tell, I want you to tell listeners too what your daughter's dreaming of and thinking of ever since you, you had this idea and you had the, the courage to follow it. But I've got my kids talking about, I want to make my own business. I want to make a podcast. And we're, we're at dinner, like with my in-laws and they're like, you know, my six-year-old gets up and says, I have a presentation I want to talk to you about. And you can tell she's just awkwardly just spitting it out. But I just, I have those moments where I go, she wouldn't even be on this track if we hadn't done X, Y, Z 10 months ago or whatever. But like, dude, I just love how you're bringing her into that. You know, that's, that's incredible. What, what are some things like she's, she's thought of, or she wants to do, does she want to like get on set? Like, does she want to help you edit? Like, <laughs> what, what, what are some dreams, I guess, that are starting to circle the dinner table with your family? Cause you've done this. She wants to be a vet. So nothing, Whoa. nothing related at all, but no, she, I mean, it, the, she's so, she's very empathetic. She's a very empathetic person. And she's yeah. taught me and my wife a lot about caring and other people. And I think that, uh, you know, seeing, seeing the group that we're involved with, you know, she, she will say like, Someone today at school was like, can I, this is a true story. They were like, if you won $10,000, what would you do? And she was like, I would donate it to a homeless shelter and then global FC. Dude. And I was like, all right, well, <laughs> she's a better person than me. I would have been like, I don't know, buy GI Joe's or whatever, you know, <laughs> uh, but uh, she's a the millennium Falcons Lego. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, <laughs> you know, like what, what else would I do with it? But uh, yeah, she's a, she's a wise old soul in a 10 year old body. Man, that's amazing. Um, on that subject, I'm so glad that we got to have this conversation today, that this started <clears throat> with uh, your journey, which you've shared, but me seeing your your trailer on the show and your willingness to come on and share your story, man. Um, is there anything else like that? Is there anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to, to talk about before we kind of sign off here? No, I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. I don't. I don't really think so, you know? 
Just tell people to go do what they want to do. Yeah, man. I appreciate you, Josh. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to KCBC. Again, uh, please spread the word. We're going to have all of Josh's links in the show notes. Share the documentary with everybody you know. Get involved. We'll have the charities and the organizations, resettlement organizations, all linked here. Thanks so much for supporting Josh. 